Well, welcome to another podcast. Uh, I'm Dr. Chris Grace, psychologist, and I'm here with communication expert, Dr. Tim Muehlhoff. Oh, I like the sound of that, Chris. <laughs> so, Tim, we have an opportunity to get together and do this on a regular basis, and it has just been fun because we get a chance to talk about some cool topics together and some things out there that listeners uh, write all the time and ask us, hey, could you talk about this and that? And what a fun chance to be able to visit. Yeah, talk. we're thrilled that so many people uh, have found this really beneficial. And we're appreciative of every single uh, listener. And it's great. And your letters, your comments has been really enjoyable. And it's led us to this topic, the mm-hmm. topic of contentment and discontentment. Yeah, boy, when you start talking about uh, something like gratitude, something like how do you feel content, they're almost like two sides of the same coin, yeah. or better yet, maybe opposite sides of the same coin. And so you start talking about how do people begin to experience or right. feel content in a world that points them to things that they want, need, should have, and all of a sudden, levels of discontentment rise. And it has been a shock to some people how hard it is to find contentment in, a, in an age like that we live in. Yeah. And I, you know, th- this idea for this podcast kind of originated from a commercial that I I saw and you and I were talking about it's a commercial for GMC trucks mm-hmm. and here, here I, I had to write it down Noreen and I had to stop and start to write this thing down because it just drove us crazy listen to this GMC truck commercial how do you want to live it begins as a decent person a fine human being a good husband good is that it of course not Parent of the year, better, one of a kind, undeniable, like a boss, king of the hill, top of your game, all powerful, win. We couldn't agree more. We are professional grade GMC trucks. <laughs> but Chris, think about that, right? So is it okay to be a dis- decent person? Why are you shooting so low? Right? Um, a good husband? No. Why not be a great husband? Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is you just start to have discontentment, right? Mm-hmm. That, hey, it's not enough just to be a person who goes to work every day and checks in and out. It's not good enough to have a marriage that is good. Man, we're, we're seeing, hey, you can be better. You can do this. You can be top of your line, all powerful, winner, things like that. And I think over time, that starts to breed mm-hmm. discontentment. I live an ordinary life and that's not good enough anymore. <laughs> And that, I think, is how discontentment starts to take root in our lives. Yeah. And so, uh, Tim, I couldn't agree more that the shock of you hearing that commercial and the words, the ideas, and the concepts that they try and get across to people – beginning to play a role and have played a role from probably since, you know, advertisements have started to come out at the beginning of time that showed, boy, you really need this. You really need to aim for that. What about then, Tim, let's let's spend some time over the next couple of podcasts talking about what what is contentment, what is discontentment, what is gratitude? uh, And then from your communication background, uh, uh, you are are familiar with the way, uh, you know, these certain commercial Right. Or these concepts come into play. And as psychologists, you and I both have landed and, and looked at some researchers and authors. A guy named Bob Emmons has written a great yeah, book on great. the science and the psychology of gratitude. So let's start talking about those over the next couple of things. What do you, what do you think? I think it's great. I think it's an important attitude. Um, 
Let's start with this then, Tim. When when you hear about uh, and, and listen to this commercial, what's the risk? Why is thinking about something like, I want to be great at being a husband. I want to be a great spouse. I, I want more. Where is the risk in that? And, and what are we running when we're telling, you know, what risk are we running when we start to tell people you need to aim higher and aim for more and not be satisfied until you get this? Keep your target high. I mean, there's nothing necessarily wrong with aiming high. No, that's good, Chris. There's nothing wrong with wanting to improve in your marriage. There's nothing wrong with wanting to resolve conflict better, be a better listener, be less um, selfish in the marriage. And But but you just said, the way you phrased it, Chris, was good. Um, but to reach this level, mm. okay, who determines that level? Mm. That's what I think the real issue is. So we have this this mantra of the American dream, which to me is symbolized by it's always bigger and better. Mm-hmm. You start off with the starter house. Well, of course, that implies the next house is going to be bigger mm. and bigger. You're going to be in a job. And of course, you're going to get promoted. It's upward mobility. It's climbing up the corporate ladder. Um, it's not just having kids, but having extraordinary kids. I mean, Chris, we've all sat in these auditoriums and churches where they people get up and say, uh, yeah, my child um, is a, you know, a five point something and started a nonprofit to end sex trafficking. In the, and we're like, good Lord, I'm just trying to get my child to find his other shoe, to have matching <laughs> shoes. But, but, you know, that kind of stuff, you listen to it enough, it's like, okay, we're living a life that I can't point to anything extraordinary about it. I mean, we go to work each day. Um, I think our kids are doing well. I, I think we're doing well. But man, I, I, I can't look at my marriage or family and say we're changing the world. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we can talk about that later. That's another mantra I have. Mm-hmm. I, I think the talks that our kids hear upon graduation mm-hmm. fosters discontentment right away. Mm-hmm. So again, Chris, I, I like what Paul says. Remember, Paul says in First Thessalonians, it's good to live a quiet life, work mm-hmm. with your hands, and to be honorable. So again, I want people to know that your marriage can be really good, but it's not something that Hollywood's going to write a movie about. Mm-hmm. And we need to be content knowing that I'm making a difference in my neighborhood. I'm making a difference with my kids, with friends. And I'm not necessarily going to be this world changer. That's when I think we start to get discontented. So then um, what you are kind of reacting to in something like this is when there is a standard that we set, uh, something that either the world tells us is uh, uh, something to aim for or to shoot for. Um, And what happens is there's going to clearly be a gap, a dissonance between what I've achieved or what I can achieve and what the world says. And so sometimes it seems, Tim, that one of the things we run into is that people try and airbrush their world and airbrush their lives and their Facebook posts and their pictures to look more like this perceived target and this ideal image than in reality. None of us really can meet up with or or reach, and it's in that gap between the life I live, the children that can't find their shoes in the morning, and and what and what I see, what people are saying they're doing. At that point, my guess is most people feel this. Uh, kind of almost foreboding sense of I'm either living not an accurate true life or I've got right. to fake it to get there. Right, good. And so that yep. leads to a number of issues that, I mean, we would call this feeling, you know, a discontent. <laughs> and, and it's this anxiety, lack of peace, lack of maybe even 
uh, an ability to clearly see and, and then recognize the good that we do bring. Uh, and is that where the problem, do you think, lies then, is this yeah. kind of gap? And we don't measure up. So um, my kids have these cell phones, Chris, and you know, what the, you know what I'm talking about. Now, I personally have made the decision, and we've talked about this on technology, that I don't have a smartphone. But my kids do. They have smartphones that are unbelievable. But... Every two years, they're told they can swap out and get a new one. And so those two years, they're not appreciative of the cell phone that they have, Chris. They're always looking at uh, technological advances and ways that their cell phone is already outdated. So that's what I'm worried about is I, I'm, I'm being conditioned to focus on what I don't have rather than what I do have. And I think that's where contentment comes in, right? So I, I'm not focusing on my family, but I like what you said, the Facebook image of families or even Hollywood versions of families where, you know, everything's working out at the end. These are um, um, unbelievable kids, unbelievable families. The sex is phenomenal. And after a while, you're just like, oh my God goodness, this is boring. What I have mm -hmm. is boring. A good friend of mine, Tim Downs, used this analogy. I thought it was great. He said, you know, go back to the um, 1700s, 1600s. You got a farmer who spends all day looking at the backside of a mule, right? I mean, he's, he's farming. That's all he does. He's working with manure and he's looking at the backside of a mule. When he went home, his wife looked pretty good. <laughs> That's what my friend says. Now, with advertising... And, and, you know, even those um, uh, places on the Internet you can go to where they do Photoshop of faces right. that are just stunning to see. Now you pass by all these billboards and you see models that every blemish has been removed. Now you look at your spouse and you go, well, now I'm discontented. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, and maybe you were planning on sharing this a little bit later, but could you go into this great study we came across uh, that a man did with sure. monkeys? and uh, different types of food that he would give them. I, I think this is the point I'm trying to make, but this comes from a, your realm, psychology. No, it's an amazing study that um, I think kind of Tim leads into a, a, a good discussion on what exactly does it mean for gratitude or, or even contentment, right? And so... Uh, this researcher, Franz de Waal, um, has... Love that name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Franz of Franz. <laughs> he, uh, and, and you can actually find some of his work on gratitude. And he works with monkeys, uh, a particular kind of uh, species of monkeys that are, are really good at being trained to do a job. Um, and, they, and they're very fast. You know, so, for example, he's trained them to, to do a job, to do a chore. And what, what he's agreed with these monkeys is when they complete their task, they receive a reward. And in this case, the reward, the thing that they want is cucumbers. They love it. I mean, it's, it's a great little, you know, treat for them. And so they work very well for this. Um, so he hands them this cucumber and everything is great because that's the agreed upon, you know, I guess, reward for completing right. the right. task. And then he does something very interesting. He puts another monkey who's also been trained in this same task in the cage right next to him. And so they're watching each other do these tasks simultaneously or, or operating together, you know, on this uh, project. And all of a sudden, the researcher takes the second monkey and he gives them a opportunity to receive now grapes. Ah, so, yep. monkeys 
Besides liking cucumbers, they really love grapes, all right? So this is the most awesome video. I wish you guys could see it, and you'll have to go again, Google it in, and see what he does. But he all of a sudden changes so that monkey number two receives a grape as a reward. Monkey number one has saw this, was content before with receiving the cucumber, and now... He's expecting, wait a yeah. minute, he got a grape. My turn. I get the grape. Right. Does the job, reaches out, and the researcher hands him a cucumber. Now, this monkey is not a happy monkey. In fact, <laughs> he is an angry, frustrated monkey yeah. because he says, and you could almost see it in his behavior. In fact, he takes that cucumber, looks at it, throws it right back at the – he'll literally throw it right back at the researcher yeah. going, wait a minute. I deserve. Yeah. I wanted. Yeah. I get a, one of these grapes. What did you do? And he'll shake the cage watching monkey number two continually get reinforced <laughs> by giving this grape. It now begins this whole cycle, and it's a great uh, – uh, I think he looks at these studies and finding all these sorts of ways in which a monkey looks at things like fairness, perceived um, contentment or perceived gratitude in the way of how justice comes in or what's true or what's fair. And it shows a very interesting situation. So do we face that? Here's the question. As humans, are there times in which I have made an agreement or understand or I have what is something I like? Right, a cucumber gives right. comes to me, right. and I enjoy it. Yep. And so now my wife and I talk about this idea of: Are we still satisfied with that which we know is good and appropriate in a yeah. reaction? Yeah, I think we live in a. I think most of us live lives of cucumbers, but social media shows us grapes twenty four seven. Right, expensive cars. Um, so um, when Christmas season comes, I always just chuckle, Chris, because who gets a Lexus for, you know what I mean? You, you open those curtains and it's, honey, you got me a brand new Lexus with a huge bow on it. Well, that is a grape. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at my, um, what, uh, leg warmer <laughs> or whatever. And I'm thinking, man, that is not a Lexus. I don't care what you're telling me. This is not a Lexus. So I think we have to be guarded yeah. about that, Chris. And and again, I, I like what Paul says. Boy, I want you to excel at loving others, living a quiet life, and working with your hands, he says. And there ought to be a, a set. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't hope to get promoted in your job. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's wrong mm-hmm. To want to eventually move into a house, maybe that's a little bit bigger or better. But as Christians, I do think we're we're, we're called to a bit of a different standard when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think we we need to learn to have gratitude mm-hmm. uh, in what God has given us and His love, His contentment, and not always be looking at the American dream and this bigger and better attitude that many of us tend to live by. No, I think that's right, Tim. There, there's. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about your understanding of this difference. There's, there is a difference between gratitude and contentment. I, they seem to be similar, and, and, and let me tease it out this way. Gratitude is something in which, I mean, if you looked up or you thought about gratitude, it's this notion of feeling, uh, right, that there are, it's, it's like Thanksgiving. I'm thankful mm. for yeah. is another way, and there's some great passages that we can read about and understanding about what it means to be grateful. We'll spend some time talking about that. Contentment is very similar, but it's almost as if they... Uh, you're grateful for things that you have, but you seem to be content 
with the things that you don't. In other words, uh, grateful means I, I, I have things that I've been given in life, relationships, um, whether it's material goods, um, it's things that are – and so expressing gratitude for that. And then the idea of contentment seems to focus in on I'm content with the things I also have mm-hmm. because there's a world of things that I don't out there. Yeah. And so to realize, oh, finding contentment, even though there are things that I might lack, according to commercials, according yeah. to things that I've seen, was where contentment comes in. What do you think? Yeah, let me give you an illustration of this. So we spent, one time we spent Christmas with another family, right? And this family, socioeconomically, was ahead of us, right? They were, had much more resources than we did. This is when the kids were young. So we made this decision Friday night, uh, Christmas Eve, that we all could open a present. And so we did. And, and, the, and everybody was happy. It was so much fun watching my kids, their kids, with this one present and all of them loved it, right? Well, guess what? Then the next morning came, Christmas morning, well, we got to open more presents. But here's what happened, Chris. This was fascinating. They literally, I'm not kidding, tripled the amount of presents they gave their kids that we gave our kids. Mm-hmm. So Friday, uh, Christmas Eve, everybody's content. This is great. I love this toy. Thank you for thinking of me, blah, 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 blah. The next morning, we're still the same. Everybody, we do another round of opening presents. Well, pretty soon, we're, the Mulehoffs are done. Mm-hmm. And Chris, and, and I appreciate their sensitivity a little bit because they backed off a little bit, but I, seriously, they went three more rounds than our kids. Mm-hmm. Now our kids are looking at us going, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. That t- contentment was Friday night, what was uh, Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. This is good. I'm good. I don't need yeah. more than this. Yeah. But when I see somebody else getting more than this, mm-hmm. that's when I start to get discontented. So, yeah. again, appreciating your lot in life, appreciating yeah. what you have, not always looking for something that you don't have. Yeah. You know, I, I love this quote. You probably don't know this author. I don't know who he is, but somebody named Tim, Timothy Miller one time said this. He says, you can resent your bald spot or you can be glad you have a head. And so <laughs> I think for you, when I look at you, I know that's what you would say as well, right? There's so yes. many ways in which you could say, gosh, I could resent this or be on con- discontent with this, but I can also... Now, tell me about that. Does it mean that a lot of this comes down to the way I think about things? Oh, or I think I so. I put on a new yeah. attitude. Attitude yeah, that yeah. I can resent the fact that yeah. I have this messed up car that barely gets me to work. It's something, or I can just simply be glad for the fact that I have something that gets me from point A to point B. Or I could resent the fact that I don't have a backup, you know, camera, you know, I don't have surround sound, I don't have a Bluetooth connection, I can't even use maps. Or I can just be content with the fact that I can get to point, you know, to this place by driving a car. So that's an interesting kind of almost attitude approach. Yeah, so what here's think? my dad, right? This is back in Sterling Heights, Michigan. My dad did this. He gave me a car to drive. And to be honest, this thing was a piece of garbage. It really was. It was huge, a gas guzzler. The muffler was as loud as anything. And it was. Just, I didn't want to drive it, right? Uh, so I said to my dad, I made the mistake of saying to my dad, dad, this, this car is like, garbage he said oh fine fine he took the keys he said there's a bike go bike (laughs) so chris i spent that summer in in august in detroit the humidity is through the roof and i am biking everywhere and guess what 
That car started to look pretty good to me. That's right. So that that's an interesting twist on this whole discontentment thing is, hey, you don't like what you have? Let me take it from you. And here's mm-hmm. the next level of what you're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. There's an old Jewish um, story that I read one time where a guy went to a rabbi and he said, my house is so loud. And he lived by himself. He was an elderly man. He said, it's so loud. It just drives me absolutely crazy. And the rabbi said, okay, well, we'll do this. Uh, uh, Next week, I want you to take some chickens and put them inside the house. Week after that, I want you to get a goat, put him inside the house. Week after that, and, and added animal after animal after animal. Well, now this poor guy is all these animals and loud noises. Then the rabbi said, now get rid of all the animals. Mm-hmm. Got rid of them, loved his house. Mm-hmm. It was the quietest yeah. house in the world. I, I think that's fascinating, Chris, that, boy, you yeah. don't like this? Let me take it away from you. And then you'll start to appreciate and be content. Yeah, I, th- maybe then the secret, maybe then, or at least the goal is to figure out how do we do that um, with simply with changing the way we now approach or see things. The right. Changing what the circumstances is sometimes hard for us. I can't all of a sudden, if I'm you know struggling with maybe the listeners out there are, are dealing with lack of money and finance, right. financial right. ruin, right. or or they just struggle and they just think, gosh, everything would be so much better if I had you know a better job or if I had more pay. And maybe in reality, it doesn't work that way that a lot of content people uh, are finding that much of this happens by my heart or the way I approach this. What Paul says in Philippians, right? I love that in Philippians 4.12. He says, I know what it is to be in need. Mm. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I wonder what that secret is, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's the secret? And that secret is, okay, there is something more important in life, and I just need to focus in and think about that. So what do you think? What was Paul's secret, would you say, when he said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And it's going to have to be the way he sees the world. His worldview must come into play here. It's the reference point. This is a great way to end this this podcast. Remember in the beginning, you said compared to this, this is the key. What am I looking at to compare myself? Again, that's that's the monkey with the grape and the cucumber. That's the person who says, I'm comparing the car I drive to the car that you drive. So having the right reference point Mm. is really important. And as Americans, that's where I think social media and Hollywood give us this really difficult reference point that for a lot of us, we're just not going to get there. I mean, what it would take to get there is we just wouldn't want to do that. So I like that. Paul's reference point was not the things that were happening around him, but more his spiritual condition, his spiritual contentment, things like that. I think that's good. So we got to guard ourselves from getting too many reference points. Mm. Let's be a little protective of what we're allowing our kids to see and what we're looking at, because man, you can always take a look at what you don't have compared to what you have. No, that is a good way to end it, Tim, because really what this means is there are just simply things um, that will constantly be in front of us that will desire, hope for, wish for, and want. Those aren't bad things. Right. It's not difficult right. to say, gosh, it's okay to desire to seek, and, right? And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and sometimes it's going to be hard and you want to fight to get there. But there's also something pretty important about what we've been talking about, that ability to 
say, can I be content in all of these things? And what is it then that I'm really focusing here? Yeah. Where is my direction? Where is my heart at in this? Yeah. And that really starts to come in with some ways in which we see and think about, as you said, our spiritual condition. Uh, our ways in which we compare ourselves to other people. And um, I love the researchers in the field of happiness who said those who express and are more happy are almost always comparing themselves to people who have less than they do or are less mm, fortunate. Mm. And in fact, one of the things they do is they it's it's this idea of contentment and gratitude by saying, happy people will tend to say, Lord, I am just so grateful what you provided for me. And I know that it could be a lot worse. Yeah. There are some people out there that um, have it worse and, and help me to see their plight and help me to be part of their life and help me to see the world now from someone who's been very blessed. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, let's keep talking about this because now I want to talk to him about some in the area of uh, in psychology and also communication about gratitude and some of the findings there. What do you think? Should we do that another podcast yeah, that, on that? I think this is well worth another podcast. Let's do it. All right. So, hey, for uh, this process for us is talking about the podcast and relationships, uh, come see us and come to the cmr.biola.edu. It's a great place. And so you can find all kinds of events. So thanks for joining us on today's podcast, The Art of Relationships. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. Um, Of course, we'd love it if you gave us five stars, but really just share this with somebody else on Facebook or Twitter. So... We'd be content with three stars. <laughs> <laughs> and grateful for more. And less. Not really. Awesome. Okay, thanks. Thanks.